Welcome to No Media. I'm your host, Eddie Gonzalez. I'm being joined every week by my guy, Evan Turner. And this is the show where anybody and everybody can get it. ET's friends, my friends, everybody in the media, because we are not media. So each week we're going to be checking in with three big topics that we just do not agree with. Three big topics we do agree with and many more on top of that. So ET, how's everything going with you over there right now? Man, it's chilling, man. I'm just uh, enjoying life. Can't complain. How about you? Man, same old, same old, just like you. Uh, look, busy week in the NBA. lot going on in sports in general. We got the NFL playoffs. We got guys scoring 70 points. We got courts getting rust and women's college basketball. Uh, WNBA free agencies on the way. It's a lot happening right now. We're going to start with what I think is the biggest story in sports right now. Adrian Griffin been fired. Year one as his coach of the coach of the Milwaukee Bucks. 30 and 13 record. They're the number two seed in the East. Have had an iffy January. Uh, David Blatt is kind of the closest thing we could come up with. He was fired 30 and 11. Obviously, the Cleveland Cavaliers went on to win the finals that year. Doc Rivers, he's in line to take over. That's all the rumors. Uh, somebody jumped the gun yesterday and, and confirmed it, and then it's not confirmed. And Doc may also have been in the building already as an advisor to Adrian Griffin, the guy he's now going to usurp and take over his job but also doc is a legend in the area oh, yeah. his jersey retired at marquette uh reports that adrian lost the locker room et i'm not gonna say you got ties i'm not gonna say none of that stuff nah. i put it on you on all that but what do you think watching this as a player when you see this what do you mean lost the locker room in 43 games man that's it lets you know uh NBA players could be finicky <laughs> and choosy. You know what I'm saying? I think one thing that occurs is a, you know, a underestimation of trying to lead a locker room or even a team is, uh, you know, how consistent you have to be, how sure you have to be of your path. You know what I'm saying? And uh, I've been in the NBA locker room, and if you know, if you don't win that locker room over, they're gonna eat you up. You know what I'm saying? And, and kind of turn it against you. And it's, I mean, it's a tough game. Like to try to really see it over the hump. My guy didn't even make it towards All Star break, so it's like. You know, winning 75% of your games, that's getting, you know what I mean? That's getting a lot of people on the Hall of Fame. And now with this dude, he back at the crib arguing over a severance package. You know what I mean? You know, it's crazy because you look at the record and say, well, what's wrong? If you watch some of the games, especially over the last two weeks, you, you kind of get it. I, I know I heard that them losing an in-season tournament, that was a big deal. I've heard there was arguments in the locker room that night and on and on and on. And it's it's went from there. This is a really weird makeup of a team. It's a championship-type roster. Uh, a lot of the foundational pieces from a championship a few seasons ago. But then you add Damian Lillard. Obviously, he has his motivations. He wants to win a title as well. That's a lot to take on as a rookie first-year head coach. Clearly, it didn't work out. And like you said, a lot of this is personalities. If he yeah. couldn't manage those personalities, and we, we can look at that from afar, not even knowing any inside information to say, Okay, you look at the Lopez brothers, you'd imagine they're in their own corner, and you imagine this group is in their own corner. They got some young guys over there. They got some old guys over there. It's a very interesting bunch, and obviously that got complicated for him, and now he's gone. What do you think about Doc Rivers replacing him? A lot of ups and downs when it comes to Doc and his career as a coach. He's blown the most playoff leads in history, like all this stuff. Uh, but I think as far as managing personalities, he always yeah. goes back to that Celtics team and says, look what I did there. I think that's what the thing is here. What do you think? No, I definitely think that matters. You know, one thing that occurs, uh, you're bringing up everybody like Robin Lopez, this person, that person. Like, bro, this is a stars league. 
So one thing I think Adrian Griffin <laughs> needed to do was 10 to Giannis, 10 to Damian Lillard, and then throw the Nassis in there every now and then to get on, you know what I mean? <laughs> get on Giannis's good side. But one thing that I'm, I'm just saying in general, it's just like, it's not hardball. You went and watched certain games where, you know, Dane's been averaging 30-something points his whole career, basically. You go in certain games or whatnot, they gave up a couple picks, three future first-round picks. Like, you got to make sure you're utilizing the people that you gave up so much value for to that extent. And to be realistic and everything, if Dane Willard or, you know, Giannis isn't comfortable by, you know, the 30-something game, it's only 80-something games, and you got to get prepared for certain teams you're taking certain type of L's, it's not so much the teams you are beating, it's the teams you're losing to that really matter. And that's what we forget a lot of times. It's like, yo, a lot of these teams are being judged two weeks into the season. And I think one thing that occurs is you're bringing in a coach that, that loves to coach for those two weeks during that season and be prepared. Whether he thinks so or not, whether he gave up a lot of leads or not, he's always figured out a way to make it. You look at the, you know, obviously with the Sixers, it was up and down. They never made it past the second round, but the, the pedigree of who else you want to deal with it in last minute and deal with trials and tribulations and bringing them in mid-season, I mean, that could be legit. It's funny. It goes two ways, right? This is a coach that seems to command a lot of respect around the league from stars to role players and beyond. It's also another guy who's had spats, open spats with other players, including his son. Yeah. Um, but it does seem right for the locker room. We'll see if it's right for the X's and O's. Again, just looking from afar, it it never seems like Giannis and Dame have gotten on the right page, even personality-wise, even on the court. Um, and again, that's part of coaching. At some point, Adrian Griffin needed to sit them together and figure out what's what. It's not that there's beef. They just don't necessarily seem to be on the same page. And this is because it's two superstars, megastars, who have done it all in this league. And Dame obviously is chasing the one thing he hasn't done. And Giannis wants to get back there as well. I don't really too much care about the coaching. I, I always say it's not about the X's and O's, it's about the Jimmys and Joes. And to a certain extent, putting people in the best position to succeed. Like, whatever's going on, like, comprehend, I think the number one thing that has to occur is Dame's a point guard, Giannis is the best player on the team, and let them focus in how they're going to focus in. You understand what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Like, there's certain moments where you have to feed Dame. Dame goes possessions without getting shots up or clear shots up. Okay, after every... ATO, after timeout play, Dame has to get that play. You understand what I'm saying? For two or three minutes on a court, if, if Giannis is off, you have to get Dame certain shots and certain looks. My number one thing is being like, no, you have to get your two catalysts going, and it's the rest of the player's shot to fall in line, follow their role, and build from there. You're going nowhere if Giannis and Dame aren't on the same accord. That's the whole reason why they got the one-two punch. So I definitely look forward to Doc Rivers, but I want to see a coach that's really going to step up, put Giannis in a position for him to succeed. Because when, when you go back to that championship back in 2022, Giannis was playing like, what, a big man? Yep. A dominant big man. And I love to see the versatility and everything. And he shows development and versatility. But sometimes, man, Giannis having the ball that much is going to mess the game up, bro. And it's not going to help Dame Lillard. It's not going to help anybody. When you're dribbling ball, you have to be aware and cognizant of where Dame is the first few minutes, the first few seconds in transition. At the end of the shot clock, those type of things, you can't throw him in like he's a Malik Beasley and just be like, hoop, how you hoop with the rest of them? That doesn't come from Giannis. That, that comes from a coach to be like, hey, these are the system. These are the sets. Ways to disguise. Because Giannis is going to get off pause regardless. From one coach on the way out to one coach who is going to be here as long as he wants to be, Greg Popovich. He had a lot to say this week about the state of the NBA and fundamentals in the league. He said there's more fundamental teaching done now 
than I had to when we were winning champ when we were a championship caliber team. It was a it was more game management then. These guys are neophytes. Uh, does losing the collegiate years do you feel like this impacts the fundamentals and the knowledge of basketball that we see in the league now? There's so many different paths to the league. There's so many different styles of play. And then we put them all in this kind of square peg round hole in the NBA where it's like you're either this wing who shoots threes in the corner or you're a ball handler or you're a big who's kind of like just roaming and then we'll throw you lobs. Do you agree with Pop here? And, yeah, I, and what do you think is the issue? The, if, I think the grassroots level means so much. You know what I mean? Because it's not talking about missing college. Like you can go to high school. You, have to high school. you go to high school and see how much you're missing defensively. Mm-hmm. You go to middle school and just see who anybody's coaching, how much they're missing defensively. And I think what what has been such a priority on a game, which is shooting that three-point shot, has trumped everything. So when you're sitting here, it's like, even when it's like, um, Pop finally spoke up and said something, and, and, and of course people listen to that, but a kid playing this day's game, like, if he couldn't play defense and shot 35% from the three, he might still get four or five years. So it's like, let's do that value. Right now, when it comes down to it, we value analytics, the most efficient shots you can get, and take that from there. If you want to talk about like what what makes the most sense, then add a mid-range to the game. Now. <laughs> like, you understand what I'm saying? We're really going to use all facets of the game. I mean, so, I, I look yeah. at you as a great example. You're a skilled player. You, yeah. you you could do. You had multiple facets to what you could do, but because you weren't going to hit 35 of your threes, 40 percent you became this weird utility player. Like, yo, you could come off the bench. You could be our point guard, uh, blah, blah, blah. We hit the running certain thing. But now it's like we're getting to the point where we're valuing that a little more than we were. We watch it every year in the playoffs. These three and D guys, yes, they can make 40% of their threes in the regular season. But it's a little different when we've scouted you this much. We're playing a little bit harder. And we're closing out on everything. We know you can't do nothing beyond that corner. So we're not only we closing out, we're closing out like, 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 like a bat out of hell. Yeah. Because we know you can't pump and go. And even if you do, you, you damn near might kick the ball. So it's like now you're a limited player. We're forcing these guys to be limited players, but then upset they don't do more. It's yeah. it's fascinating to me. I agree with you. This does start at the grassroots level. And I, I know AAU, like, quote, unquote, gets a bad rep. But a great program will teach your kid how to play great basketball, whether it is off ball, whether it is on ball, whether it's on defense. I know Steve Kerr was just talking about man-to-man uh, you should be playing man-to-man all the way up to high school because it teaches you so much about defense. A great program would make a great player out of that. A bad program will go the other way. <laughs> so, no, of course. And I see a couple of players, even when I go to these camps, and it's like, yo, he's a top shooting guard in the country. Like, bro, he can really shoot. And then it's like, yo, but he left the game with 30. He gave up 30, literally, <laughs> like, couldn't play defense. And, you know, Dr. James Naismith, I mean, when he made the game, it was to do everything. Yep. So like, let's get back to highlighting like the skill set. Like if you can't dribble with your, like the only reason why it's getting away is because coaches are putting people in the game to allow to get away with it. It'll be like, yo, he shoot 38%, but like, bro, the man, maybe he hits the three, but like defensively, he's a liability. You don't rebound, you don't pass, you don't talk, you don't communicate. And it's like, you might have three dudes out there with one basketball player. Now it's like, yo, you know what? Like we gonna have one good basketball player and then our superstar and everybody else is going to figure it out and then interchange who you can really make work happen and just put in a shooter. So as opposed to like, and, and now the middleman kind of gets lost in the sauce in regards to development or usage rate because they went from doing all the things all around and being like, yo, you know what? Now I'm just, if I can't shoot 38%, this ain't the spot for me. 
Yeah, I think it's 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 on the teams as well and the philosophy and drafting. Um, this is going back to when high school kids were eligible and now with the one and done, like teams will reach for the one and done way yeah. quicker. Teams will reach for the Giannis and say we can develop him. Yeah. Or they'll reach for that, you know, that person in the lottery. And then you see a Jaime Hawkins fall to what was he, 18th? Yeah. And he's been great. And he's he's a four-year player who can do a little bit of everything. He's a decent yeah. enough shooter. He knows where to be, plays strong. And it's like we're not taking gambles on those guys because we'd rather take a gamble on this guy. So that's kind of on you as well. And you look at the Spurs, how they've drafted. They've drafted projects as well. Even before Wemby, you know, Pop loves Jeremy Sohan. Yeah. He's a project. And he's yeah. trying to make him a point guard. He's like a lot of people don't think he's a point guard. So some of that falls on your teams as well. If you want fully developed players, Pop, draft a third-year guy out of the SEC or the ACC. Like, go for it. Yeah. And we're not doing that. And it's a fake flex, too. You know what I mean? You meet a lot of these guys that are – even, like, who's the GM that found Jokic? And he got a little bit of, like, uh, ownership in, you yeah. know, in, uh, in Minnesota. You, you forget these guys behind the scenes want to make their names, too. Yeah. And they'll be like, no, nah, I, I want to draft this guy. This guy's a sleeper. That guy's a sleeper. You know, in the NBA, you, you only see the players or, like, the stars. There's so much underneath the surface is going on and be like, yo, how they – that up it's like nah it's a, it's a lot of idiots in that motion you know what I mean? <laughs> it's a lot of dumbasses it's just like you know what g let me say something hey, <laughs> let's only, try this only 58 spots in that draft every year and there's yeah. ways to mess it up every, every time every time I, yeah. I i don't think these guys are best i think players are more skilled now than ever so maybe pop misspoke i don't know but maybe he's talking about again the ins and outs of the game on the court that i could kind of see there's not yeah. as much instincts but we've also dumbed the game down to the point of Threes and layups, threes and layups, threes and layups. So what more thinking do they need to be when it's – if I'm Quentin Grimes and all you're telling me since I get in the league is stand in the corner, shoot threes, and then take, play defense, now I've minimized myself to that point. I'm not a dumber player. Y'all make me do this. I can yeah. do other stuff. No, and I think that happens a ton. No, I, I, I totally understand that. I, I, I totally feel you. I, I understand the roles and everything. It's, it's just uh... – Skill set and IQ are two different things. Some of yeah. the best, like, sometimes the best skill set players aren't in the league, right? Like, you know what I mean? Some mm -hmm. of them, you know, it's, 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 it's two different things. It's what you can do under pressure. And I'm not saying the competitive nature got taken out of it, but I think the way back in the day, we always sit here and be like, if a guy could shut you down, he is playing. Every single day, if, like, you got bullied or battered in practice, you lost your spot. Now it's just like we already roll it out and say, hey, I'm going to implement this person. She's 34% and the coach is going into it more technical, much more than sometimes, you know, viewing it, viewing a team, you know, putting people together. And, and that makes sense as well. So, look, from the NBA, we're going to take it to college, women's college basketball, something near and dear to you as well, because Ohio State was yeah. prominently involved here. Caitlin Clark. Yeah, lost the big game at the number two seed to the Ohio State Buckeyes. Uh, the home crowd obviously rushed the court. Big win. Big I think win. she's a little bit of a villain, so that makes people want to rush the court when they beat her as well. Uh, somebody bumped into Caitlin, huge commotion. Everybody is apologizing after the game. Yeah, I want to start with Caitlin at first. Did she flop? Because this looks because this looks a little crazy. Looks crazy, crazy Hundred times, ten angles in slow motion. She got a lot of flock this week for no reason. Shout out to Caitlin Clark. 
you lost, I comprehend you could be a little like dramatic. Not saying she was. She viewed it how she viewed it. She literally could have been looking this way, that way, or third. I just it wasn't intentional. Like, do you <laughs> understand? Like people, people stole the court. I remember 10 years ago, Wisconsin beat Ohio State. They stole the court and somebody spit on Jared Sullinger. Yeah. Like, do you understand what I'm saying? It's not like nothing incredible or crazy, but I think one thing that led to it was that there was an intention of hitting Caitlin. The coach spoke like there was intention hitting mm-hmm. Caitlin. And our Ohio State fans were rude and ugly and this and a third. It's like, no, dog, that was a sellout crowd, 18,000 plus people. National TV game, one of the most viewed games. One of the greatest women's players of our time and then arguably one of the best women's basketball team like Ohio State has ever had as well. And it's like, no, it's just a beautiful, beautiful day of basketball. Like when people are sitting up there like, bro, I'm not watching men's basketball, football, anything, bro. Like it's lit to turn on a game and be like, bro, we're at the point where it's not in March and a national TV game of women is basketball is on TV going crazy. Bro, I was at the crib like, bro, forget all those other games. I want to watch this. So to highlight it and then really dive into it and like to think the bigger picture. And I, I'm as dramatic as anybody. I just thought the shit was kind of just goofy. Cause when I looked, I'm like, bro, you gotta look at this thing three times to see it. You know what I mean? Like you, if you, we still argue about the George Floyd thing. Like, <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? So when you sit here, I'm like, bro, respectfully, can y'all please shut And this comes from like a, a saying adult. Sometimes you go to those college, <laughs> those college campuses and you start reading compliance and you start reading NCAA stuff. And it's just like, bro, let's just keep it simple. I want to shoot her a little bit of bail because if I was jogging and I got bumped into, I would probably like have a little <laughs> bit of a reaction. Right. Yeah. But I will say this and I'm going to be like total fan now. And as I say that as somebody who's never played a pro game of anything, <laughs> but we're just like way softer now. Like we used to be way cooler with all this shit. Uh, people rushing the court, uh, rowdiness from fans. Like back when when Randy Moss mooned everybody in Lambo, we were cool with the fact that they threw <laughs> snowballs back and all that stuff. Like yeah. it was great. And so I don't know where we got to this place where all fan interaction is bad. Shout out Russell Westbrook. Shout out all the guys who have been like pointing guys out in the crowd saying they got to go. There is a line. Like there's a line somewhere. I don't think this was the line. All due respect. Yeah. Um, we just we just get too antsy now about this type of stuff. I remember like in the eighties when they won NBA championships, everybody would storm the court in the NBA, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. And it's like, this is okay. Do you, are you, have you been there? Do you care about? One thing she did say that made a lot of sense and it mattered. And we keep forgetting this too. This, this, uh, it's an eight figure woman now. So when you sit there, her hitting the ground, like she's like, I could have got hurt. Yeah. And like they're a one man team. That as a teammate matters. Like when Dane would get hurt, I'm like, come on, bro, we might as well go home. Like, you yeah. know what I'm saying? Like, so when it came down to it, like somebody took a knee out or anything like that, she is carrying the future of basketball. And that does really matter at a different level, like a thousand percent. Now, if it comes down to it, like, and it's something that precious, that serious, like, Kayla needs 24 hour security, to be completely honest. Right. Or somebody walking with her or whatever else. Like, she's a, a walking show. That was the thing I was kind of surprised about. And again, maybe this isn't just typical for a woman's college team, but I know with NBA and WNBA, there typically is team security and we're going through the tunnel or we're coming out afterwards or what have you. 
somebody's going to follow you out, make sure that type of thing. Now, that doesn't mean that would necessarily have prevented this, but maybe if their team yeah. security was there with Caitlin to be, you know, keep their eye, head on a swivel, yeah. she wouldn't have bumped into somebody. Uh, this didn't take away from this great game, this great moment. I think it was the most viewed college game this year. Yeah. Um, it doesn't take away from that, right? It was a great game. It was intense. Great like game. you said, best Ohio State team maybe ever. It doesn't stain I mean, this, right? Shout out to Katie Smith. She, she had a hell of a team back in the day. Shout out to Jantel Lavender. Those teams were unbelievable. But um, no, I don't, I don't think it stains it at all. I, mean, I thought it was a great day of basketball. I literally thought it was a great day of basketball. And um, I think when we we, we shed and the numbers are coming out and the stats are coming out and everything. Like, I, I just, I don't think it's staying it. And once again, I, I'm glad Kate wasn't hurt and I'm glad, shoot, the fan was okay as well, but it was, it was a celebration. All right. So what we're going to do now is we, we, we had some good dialogue there, some good debate. We seem to be mostly on the same side. We're keeping it friendly with everybody, but we're going to get into our trash takes of the week. Every week we're going to pick three, maybe more, depending on how trashy everything gets. Just takes, we just, can't believe happened. So we're going to start with Michael Wilbon, who hates analytics for some reason. Don't start me with the two-point conversions and the analytics say go for it. Do the analytics say go for it no matter who's going for it? So if you and I were on the field, the analytics say go for it. It's the stupidest, laziest, lamest thing I've ever heard for reasoning in competition. And I hate when announcers just buy it without questioning it. The analytics say go for it. Yeah, I, I, and I rock with this, see, because I remember a couple. That's why I don't gamble. I remember I tried my lucky gambling blackjack. You know what I mean? So when you hit a five, what they say you're <laughs> supposed to hit, right? Or, or if the dealer is showing whatever, you're supposed to go for that. So I sat at a table one night and lost like hella cash trying to go by what the book says or the analytics says, almost to the point when like. The, the casino manager came up and was like, hey, you know, you've been having a rough night. Can I get you a free meal? I'm like, nah, bitch ass. I want, <laughs> I want you to explain these stats as you keep telling your fucking, the dealers, everybody around the world. Because literally, watch this. Watch me hit this five again and crack. You understand what I'm saying? <laughs> so when you talk down analytics, it's like, nah, bro. Analytics can help you. Analytics can definitely help you. I'm not against that. But at the same time, you got to read the game and be present in that. And like when it's coming down to it, I'm not against what the numbers should say, but it's also a cop out to really play. Well, the analytics say we should have gone for this and a third. Like, no, I guess so. But if we're going to put it on simulation, go ahead. Right, right. But if I'm a higher coach and actually play the game, like, nah, you're not coming up to me with the biggest game online telling me analytics told you to do some bullshit. A lot of people felt like he was talking about Greg Olson from Fox and they're the head of their A team over there now. Um, I appreciate what Greg Olson does on the telecast in those moments because he kind of explains these things to me in ways I wouldn't have thought of. Sometimes it's pretty simple. Hey, you're down five. If you just pay, put it at four, it's still a touchdown deficit. It doesn't matter if you go for two, uh, yeah. it's, it turns it into three instead of five. Okay, cool. That makes sense. But sometimes it's like, yo, you're on this marker of the field and it's only three yards and this, and he has to explain it for three minutes. And now I've seen the play already happen. It's like, uh, what was the point of that? So I'm with you. Like I'm captain, like go for it on fourth down all the time. I don't know why you guys punt. It's weird, but I do think it drags down the telecast a little bit. <laughs> and Greg Holzer is really long winded. Uh, Greg's defense was essentially, this is how football's played. Now we look into this stuff. We have a guy on the sideline who goes, yeah, go for it. And then you guys go for it from there. 
Um, and you, can't, and you but, can't fire. I just say, bro, at the end of the day, y'all want every answer just being accountable. Like, I fucked up, bro. It's a badass play, G. I didn't watch. Like, they talking about analytics, analytics. Like, no, if you're watching a thousand hours worth of film, my G, like, the fuck are you watching? Like, we got just some <laughs> random dude that never. And what's crazy about analytics that bothers me is like the dude is just looking at the numbers and being like, technically, <laughs> and I have no clue. And like, I did you like the eyes are great, but in the present moment of anything, it's just like that, that, that simulation does not work all the time, dog. And like, I don't understand when it comes to something as passionate as sports and how crazy people get, we're going to rely on a simulator. Moving on to number two. Are you taking Josh Allen over Pat Mahomes still? Like people are out here doing this. Look, I would, those rankings right there. I mean, you could change them week to week if you want, but still I'm taking Regardless of the outcome, I'm taking Josh Allen every single time. You're, you're, you, why are you taking Josh Allen over Patrick Mahomes, the guy who's won multiple Super Bowls? He's been I, a multiple I MVP both in Super Bowls and yeah. the regular season. I think Mahomes has the better team. That's why. But I, but but pure quarterback play, I think Josh Allen. Oh, is, is no, you're not gonna get me going viral. You're yeah. not get me going viral on that. Yeah. That that came from Sean. Sean heard that not come from Bucky Brooks. No, 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 you no. Yeah, this is what they mean when you say when you black, you gotta try extra, extra hard. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, like Josh just shout out to Josh. He survived a man and curse, but like we're at this point now. Like, what what so Joe Burrow's gone, you're gonna try to push up Josh Allen for the GOAT? Like, you know what I mean? So then when you sit there at that same level, it's just we're doing analytics. It's like the thing we just did with numbers and everything. You do that same level, now you're gonna throw Josh Allen in front of Lamar Jackson, technically. <laughs> and there's you understand that's how dudes like uh Mitch Trubisky get drafted over to Sean Watson and Pat Mahomes because there was some genius saying tech we're gonna do that that's how Daniel Jones gets 40 million and so Quan Barkley is one of the best <laughs> pure running back athletes in the past 15 years you understand <laughs> like Bro. so when we're adding this up it's like we do NMMs we do numbers and we look at sites it's just like man Josh Shout out to Josh, but that conversation ended three years ago, especially when somebody's winning championships is over. It's like when we came to lead, Steph gets his first championship. Dame can't argue who the best is. <laughs> like that kind of, like, like he throw him at somebody else. There's no conversation about it. Let me let me say, as a charter member of the Patrick Mahomes Hater Club, a Raider fan, I'm just sick of the dude. I don't know how you can keep hating him at yeah. this point. What, yeah. what more does he need to do? He's dragged a defensive team now to the conference final championship. He he took an all-offensive team with some of the greatest weapons of all time, went and got it done. He makes it happen. He does everything Josh Allen does. Yeah. Just a little bit better, it seems like, because he keeps beating them. Yeah. He's beat him at home. He's beat him with 22 seconds left in his season. Yeah. Now he's went to his home in the freezing snow yeah. and beat him again. Yeah. And so you can blame the kicker. You can do all that stuff you want. But I don't know how you can put him above him. You just look at their season stats, yeah. their career stats. Like, But there is something to what you say. And it's funny that Josh Allen got dragged into this because he plays just as much as like these quarterbacks as, as they do. The year that Josh Allen got drafted, the conversation was, should Baker Mayfield or Sam Darnold go number one? You know who else was in that draft? Lamar Jackson. <laughs> yeah. But again, we have this prototype of what quarterbacks should be and how effective how they should be effective in the pocket and doing all this stuff. And then we have these quarterbacks breaking all of those rules. And Josh Allen's one of them, which is funny that he gets roped into this because he makes every third down doable because he can just run. 
out of nowhere. He can just escape the pocket and go get seven yards. And he's selfless, too. Yeah. yeah and, 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 and he'll sacrifice his body. He, I mean, it's the reason why he fumbles a lot, because you'd be like, bro, stop doing that. Yeah, you know, he, he's a gigantic quarterback, right? Yeah. What is, he's listed at 6'5", 240. Like, yeah. you're supposed to tackle that. He's bigger than your linebackers. What are you yeah. supposed to do with him? He's a yeah. defensive end like yeah. quarterback throwing the ball 70 yards. So I don't want to make it like Josh Allen isn't good. But, like, let's put a little respect on Pat Mahomes there. At that point, you're going way too big brain. You're trying to, like, do the thing where I actually know football, and that's why I think Josh Allen's better. Yeah, okay, a- buddy. But he just beat him again. So I'm yeah. going to go with the guy. <laughs> One last trash take from everybody's favorite personality, Stephen A. Smith. He says Detroit has not been before the Lions winning. Let's hear what he had to say. Detroit, phenomenal fan base. Yeah. Great city. Been through a lot. The downtown area, big time. The stadium, big time. But you go to other outskirts of the Detroit area, it looks like a damn desert town. I mean, I'm, I'm sitting here wondering how to help people making money. I, I, I'm just, I'm just looking. It looks like, it looks like a desert town. I, I'm just looking at it and I'm like, what, what the hell is going on in this city? <laughs> nah, I mean that's deeper than rap, bro. That's deep. I mean, I remember going to go visit Detroit back in 2009. Uh, we had our overseas trip uh, <laughs> for the Ohio State Buckeyes, so we went across the border to Windsor, Canada. You know? Yeah. So uh, in our summer trip, we're just playing versus Canadian teams, and like for fun, we go across the border to, to Detroit and watch like a. Excuse me, Detroit Tigers game. So it's like Miguel Cabrera and everything. And I remember going through that city and being like, God damn, like everything needs to be rebuilt around here. Like literally, like it was abandoned buildings and stuff. And it kind of made me sit back and like, like the sports team is lit, but like, like a young 20 year old was like, I don't think it's supposed to be right if there's a sports team, like all this and the economy's not really up to par. Mm-hmm. That was one thing I remember, and when I hit the league, I always paid attention to how much development occurred because we used to live on, we used to stay in the outskirts at first of uh, of Detroit and Birmingham for the hotel. Then we eventually started staying downtown at the Westin and started getting nicer and nicer. But yeah, Detroit got a lot to be built up on. It's a great investment prop, <laughs> great investment area, and everything. But I know one thing that occurs when you go into the sports arenas is. Uh, the appreciation from the fans and, uh, you know, how the city really reps it. And um, that's one thing that occurs where you're like, man, you, you really root for the city of Detroit because you, you see the people and through the fans, through like the sport, you see the appreciation they show. Yeah, they call it the mitten, the glove. It's a lot of it's a lot of pride in that city for the people who are out there in Detroit and, and, and the nearby areas as well, the suburbs. You got your Saginaw, you got your, yeah. your, your cities like that. Uh, yeah. uh it's a lot of pride. So Stephen, they say that's a little crazy because some of that is out of a lot of people's hands. When the yeah. automotive industry left Detroit yeah. and left it mostly in shambles, sucked everything out of that city and left it to die. That's not necessarily this generation of people's fault. They support their teams. They still support them. Pistons who just yeah. had the worst losing streak of all time. You watch the, the fans turn up for the lions right now. They're super excited. The tigers were getting a lot of love, even though they went through their own yeah. issues and they, showed Miggy Cabrera off uh, as he retired and got his 3,000 hits. It's a great sports city. Is it a great, like, city to live in, metropolitan area? Nah, for a bunch of different reasons, social, economical reasons. But it's a great city. There's a lot of culture there. Obviously, we're talking about Motown, so we're going way back with music. The rap scene right now is crazy. You got 
you know, my favorite rappers right now, Babyface, Ray, V's, yeah. all these guys coming out of that city. I think one thing that occurs too, we, we forget as well when you talk about value and excitement. If Detroit gets that joint jumping again along with the football team and you remember how the Red Wings just have it cracking and yep. everything? Detroit gets back jumping again. The economy can move up. Like, you understand what I'm saying? If you start getting national TV games and Kay Cunningham is playing how he's supposed to play, you get a couple more draft picks. I'm not going to put it on the level of Brian, but a successful team can build an economy and what's coming around that. And like I said, shout out to, you know, uh, you know, what's Dan Gilbert trying to build up a lot of Detroit and figure it out himself. So there's a lot of cool things going on out there. And it's in the midst of transition, but it's it's made a lot of leaps and bounds and uh, shit. Show some love to that city. Yeah, they're working on it, man. You got to remember, we're talking about the Flint water crisis is still going on. And that's just a few miles out the way. So we're talking about that area of the country. It's not like it's easy to just turn it around like that and make it some destination city. So, like, yeah, let's take a little easy on, on, on the mitten and, and let them work on it, man. Yeah. Fire take of the week is presented by the all-new Ford F-150. Head to your local Ford dealer to learn why tough this smart can only be called F-150. Built Ford tough, built Ford proud. Look, we'll move on from our trash takes to our fire takes of the week. And we got Shannon Sharp, one of my favorites right now. He's got the world on fire. He had Cat Williams all over the place, 100, 200 million views on everything they did. Uh, he was talking about Lamar Jackson this week and how he's the best story in the NFL. Let's hear what Shannon had to say. You remember when he came out, you should you should become a running back. You should be a wide receiver. 31 teams passed on him. It wasn't until Ozzie Newsom in his last draft traded back into the first round to select the man at 32. Guess what happened this offseason, Dan? They had a franchise tag on him and 31 teams. Now, granted, all 31 teams didn't need him. But about 15 teams said, we don't need Lamar Jackson. There is no way Lamar Jackson can come into our building and improve our quarterback situation. So they passed on him in the draft, and they told him go to wide receiver or go to running back. This offseason, 15 teams passed on him and said, no, we don't get you. But if you remember... They asked Lamar Jackson. They said, Lamar Jackson, what are the Baltimore Ravens going to get out of Lamar Jackson? He stood in front of that camera. He was disappointed because he was a Heisman Trophy winner. He said, they're going to get a bowl out of Lamar. He said, I promise you that. He's one game away from delivering an opportunity to play. I think at some point, we got to just understand these dudes who are winners on every level, the guys who have legendary college careers, they can play. They can yeah. play that position. They can do all that. We got to stop. We got to stop minimizing quarterbacks because they're fast. Because if you watch the NFL right now, that's the absolute game breaker is I can throw the ball well and if it gets bad. I can run faster than everybody on this field. So come catch me. But shout out Shannon for this. Where are you at with Lamar Jackson? Man, I don't think Lamar gets enough credit for the class he shows, bro. Mm hmm. Like, do you understand what I'm saying? Like, he's, even in the green room, he ain't act a fool in the green room. He yep. ain't cry, whine, bitch, you complain. He literally showed up, bro. And I remember seeing that clip not too long ago, bro. It gave me so much confidence, bro. Like, he showed up grateful and said, I'm here. I'm here. And they're going to get a bowl out of me. He was the <laughs> baddest man walking, bro. Like, and every single time, even this summer, he don't come out and say, yo, this is what I deserve. It's this and a third. You haven't helped me win, Baltimore. Like, I deserve more. Like, why do I have to keep singing for my food? He just keeps coming back out there and staying the course, you know, and he don't keep it tacky classes or anything. And when you break it down, he always takes the high road. And like, you look at Jalen Hurst as well. When you hit the league, you have a lot of people tell you what you can and can't do. And it's normal ass people. 
You understand <laughs> what I'm saying? There's a lot of people being like, I'm shocked he did it. Of course you shot Jack. You ain't <laughs> like, like, of course it surprised you. You don't know a good football player, bro. And I think a lot of times when we come down to it, the one thing that's opening with these pro sports is we're giving casual fans, we're going from giving casual fans a space to have an opinion to the point where they have entitlement to now they're being part of the organizations to really sit here and be like, yo, you suck, you suck. It's perfect. <laughs> like, you've never even been in a huddle. You know nothing about nothing. And one thing that occurs is like, you can't say this out loud, but like, don't tell this superior human that's more than you what he can and can't do. The f up. <laughs> like, do y'all ever like that's why you can't really do media because it's just like, man, it's, it's somebody that don't know shit about nothing reporting to the masses. Yo. You're talking about the dude that went to, to Louisville, won a prestigious award like the Heisman, or like Jalen Hurst is able to do all that. You're shocked he's successful and turn and continue to turn the coin. No, bro, that's his gift. Like that man been successful the year before that, the year before that in middle school, elementary school. The only difference is, is that y'all ain't never seen it been done or you don't correlate what success or what you can do looks like. This is stuck on automatic for this dude. It's, I think you said the right word, class, grace. I, I, I think you're right too. And he does not get enough credit for that, the way he handles that. Even going back a few weeks when, uh, what was it, Mike Florio <laughs> said the Niners would just dominate them and, and, and he just said, hey, that was disrespectful. I didn't like it. He, he didn't say it with anger. He just said it, monotone, let him know, to the point where Buddy came back and apologized. He realized yeah. the wrong in his ways. Yeah. Like, he's handled this from day one, from college. To be that great, but doubt it at every turn, every time. is every insane. Time. Usually you're propping this guy up and saying, yo, he's athletic and he's smart and he can play every kind of style of offense. When he was in college, he played in the pocket. He played like a running gun offense. Man. And then we, now we're wondering, can he make the throws? Did you see the throws he made in college? Uh, so to yeah. be that guy and be doubted is insane. And the way he can handle it, only thing he ever asked for when his holdout last year was just pay me my just due. Yeah. I just watched what this other guy got. I need something close. And that was it. And even that is it with, within bounds. This is business. Go get your bag. You're Lamar Jackson. Man. 27 years old, about to win his second MVP, has a chance to win his first Super Bowl. We talking about we talk about Pat Mahomes on the way to being the GOAT. Lamar has a chance to make his way up there as well. And this year is going to be huge for it. So I love that he's getting this love. And let me put this into, you know, a, a, a set too. Lamar, had, after winning a Heisman, had to sit in the green room and basically get people to understand why he should be a top pick. Nobody ever heard of Daniel Jones. He passed up hella QBs. And then <laughs> afterwards, being in one of the biggest markets ever, being on a stage where he actually sucked, he went and got $40 million <laughs> in the same market where Lamar had to beg. Like, come on, bro. Like, this is why you can't really listen to everybody. <laughs> like, do you understand? Like, do you see the injustices day in and day? It's just like, it makes no sense. We're talking about Lamar Jackson. Stop. To eat to eat that much disrespect in the way he does and just keep trudging along. You know, he let her look, he dealt with some injuries last couple of years, but he let everybody know when he's there, he's going to be great. And he's been great. He's been great all year long. I know we put his numbers up to former MVPs and they look a certain way, but you're removing so many of the elements that he's dealing with as well. You're moving so much of his running game, the way he's been precise on offense, throwing the ball. He's been incredible all year long, dominated in the playoff game. I don't know if you saw the clip, Say, yo, what happened in the in the in the locker room at halftime? You guys went in 10-10, you won 34-10. It was a lot of cuss words. They were all for me. <laughs> so he's a leader as well. 
Everybody in the league respects Lamar Jackson. Another guy who's disrespected a lot, Kyrie Irving, coming back with a great season. He's been a great teammate all year as well. Let's see what Kyrie's up to. I, I know I talk about Kyle a lot, but I, I he's one of the superstars that people really don't understand that is so selfless. Mm -hmm. Yes, he wants the ball. He wants to go rock out. But he also needs the other guys to do, right. be great also so he can be great. Right. He wants you to flourish mm -hmm. so the team can flourish. What's your what's your experiences with Kai? I, he's, a, he's a guy I feel like the closer you get to him, the more people like him. The further you get from him, the more he's misunderstood and he's trashed and all this stuff. What's your experience with Kyrie Irving? I mean, he's 90, 50, 40. I'm showing up to watch Kyrie hoop. You know <laughs> what I mean? Like, I'm. Mean, this is... It's not, and it's not nothing crazy. I, I like Kyrie how he hoops. I think he's one of the most underrated players to ever play the game. I think it's blasphemy how we, you know, correlate, you know, his views of like uh, world's flat, this and a third over how he hoops. I love the way Kai plays the game. I, I, I love how he plays it. I think he's got a hella game. When you watch him in person, you forget how cold he is, you know? And there's just one thing that occurs as well, is just being an adult. I'm comprehending like, all right, bro, I can't say everything. And it has nothing to do with being like, you're not going to close my mouth. It's just like, nah, whenever you say something, you put something in the universe, the natural response is going to get a response back. I think he's got one of the most beautiful basketball games we've ever seen. I think he's 6'2", Kobe, in so many ways. And I used to joke with him, like, they couldn't make you 6'6", it'd be unfair. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Imagine if you were that tall, like, it wouldn't. What the f would we do with you? Yeah. I think on more of a personal level, the stories you hear of him, beyond even just his charitable day donations or the way he'll show up and show face, he's one of those players who kind of understands who he is to a lot of people and is willing to touch the people and that matters as well. And you hear stories about his teammates and his buddy wanted a Rolex so bad and he got cut and he went and bought him a Rolex and it was, you know, stuff like that. It's like, look, stuff like this happens around the league, there's a lot of great teammates, a lot of great people in the league. He's one of those people who's been, you know, labeled as, I guess, a bad person. But then you hear all these great stories. I personally have situations with him where it's like, yo, Kyrie did not have to do <laughs> Kyrie Irving going out on limb for me? For what? And I've watched it happen over and over and over. And look, I don't agree with everything he says or does, but it does not shock me when former teammates, friends, whatever, come out, speak up on Kai and let everybody know he's a great guy because he is. And he's he's been that way for a long time. Um, He's a little misunderstood, but I also relate to a guy who's like in his early 30s going, yo, I'm trying to figure this shit out. <laughs> Absolutely. And I, but like, it's, I was never shocked that people like Kyrie or his teammates like Kyrie. Like, do you yeah. understand what I'm saying? Like, it never shocked me for that. Like, as a pro, as an adult and everything, there's been tons of people who have been great guys. I think 90% of NBA in the, in the locker room is great guys. What we have to understand is accountability of what you do off the court, what you say. Like, nobody's above that. So when you sit here, I think Kyrie, he got put, swung all different types of ways, like 100%. Then at the same time, it's like, bro, govern yourself, doc. Yeah. Like, they're going to judge you on what you say and what you do. Why? Because you said it and you did it. <laughs> and it has, and, and for somebody that's so deep, pause. You can't be shocked when, when, when you realize how dumbfounded people are in the world. Yeah. So eventually when it starts coming down to it, it's like, all right, bro, if you want people to stop saying like, 
you stink. Don't fart in a room full of people. Then. <laughs> you keep coming back shitting and then being like, well, I say I stink or say this on a third. It's just like, no, nobody. Kyrie should never have to worry about what people think of him personally because he's affected so many lives. But that's not the conversation. The conversation is like what the perception you gave off. From one misunderstood Hall of Fame point guard to another, here's Q Rich on Russell Westbrook. Now, I gotta get. Give, I won't give a shout out to Russ though, because I feel like you know what I'm saying. Like he don't get enough credit for what he what you know what I'm saying. Like, did love the game too, man. Bro, think about how the Lakers fans was trying to make it all about him. They record the same, man. And he gone, <laughs> and now he over here doing this thing, and then he's showing that that he for the team. Like yeah. you know what I'm saying. Like to take himself out of the equation and say I come off the bench and do this and that. Like that's all selfless behavior. Why that ain't getting shine more on, you know what I'm saying? Like they were so busy trying to dog my G out and talk shit about him, but like he just did some huge mm -hmm. for somebody in his shoes to be what he is, to, to how the accolades and the success he's had, and then to just say, I'll come off the bench and just take all the pressure off everything. Like, I don't think that got enough credit for what he did and the way he did it. And then to see the results, they turn they around and they hooping and now where's all of that talk? I, Russell Westbrook is another one of these players where I think league-wide has such a respect from his peers. What has been your experience with Russell Westbrook throughout your career? Man, he's been the nicest person I ever met, to be completely <laughs> honest. And to be, to be honest with you, and this is what I give Russ credit for. You, you see a lot of people. You go into a league and you might see the all-stars or the dudes that are going to be on Team USA. And they're super cool. They have their level or aura. And it's a level between like a different cross between pretentious and jazzness. You understand what I'm saying? Like, mm -hmm. When you go to some of that top 12, it's a lot of bitch ass dudes. You be like, bro, this probably think he real. Or somebody be like, man, like, I know you all. But like <laughs> with Russ, like Russ was just always cool. He's always down to earth. You catch him in chapel. Like literally just spoke to you like a peer and a teammate. So like when you see like a lot of negativity and stuff that occurs and you see how his teammates respond to him, you're like, bro, people with Russ heavy. I think one thing that I hated, like you got a, what's it, uh, MVP, three, triple, double, like towards the end, it was okay to tear down his reputation or like to kill everything that he did or like, and then it was just like, who was on him to kill him, bro? Like a bunch of bums and nerds. Like, mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like, Russ was one of those guys who we talked about the style of the league now. He didn't necessarily fit with the style of the league, and people just ran with that. They turned him into a bad player because he wasn't going to shoot X amount of threes or make X amount of threes and make him at this percentage. He wasn't going to play that specific style. But his style was effective. He was winning a lot of games. We surrounded him with the right players. They continue winning games. Yes, they flamed out in the playoffs a few times, but Russ has been a playoff riser his entire life. Russ has played one of the greatest finals games on the road that we've ever seen. He's trying to lose the game. And so I think Russ's reputation within the league is so much different than what you get from outside the league. He's also a great guy. Like I've, I've personally witnessed a bunch of different situations where Russ, again, much like Kyrie, like you said, 90% of the league is great guys. Like this is not necessarily yeah, yeah. above and beyond, but he's reached out to fans in ways he didn't need to. I've also, I was right there in Phoenix when he was getting at the guy for calling him Westbrook. Mm -hmm. And it's like, yo, this is a little extra, but he's clearly drawn this line and people are just fucking with him now. Yeah. And so I think Russ is a great guy. I love to hear stories like this from players. 
Yeah. Uh, there was a great video a few years back. Kyrie and Russ just so happened to hit the court before a game at the same time, and they were bigging each other up. And it was like, yeah, I see greatness out here. And, and Russ was like, I knew you'd be out here. So it, it was just dope that they had that moment. I think, uh, you know, Kobe used to always speak so highly of Russ as well. There's something about tenacity, the way he plays. He's been such a selfless player in the second half of his career. It doesn't get get enough credit for that. And you get what you see from Russ, right? Like, we have some aforementioned people we we see, and you'll be like, yo, he's in the newspaper and for all these great things he does. And I'm like, bro, that's all the kind, bro. Buddy's full of Like, you understand what I'm saying? But then you look at Russ, and it's like, bro, this is a pure individual. Yeah. Everything we say about these other people that, that be like, no, he's a great dude. It's like, no, this is actually Russ. Like, I look on TV and see some of our top players. I'm like, bro, wasted his money just to try to get attention. Like, people screaming, he does this and that and third. It's just like, yeah, bro, but he's also a kind artist. <laughs> like, you understand what I'm saying? Like, Russ is a, a genuine individual. And, and I just it, I just think it's crazy. Just the whole Lakers thing. You went from a Hall of Fame career to for six or seven months there's a group of people that were, that were going to be able to tear it down and break that down. Evan, man, it was fun today linking up for no media. That's our first episode. I had a good time. Hope you had a good time as well. Again, this is the place where no one is safe. Not your friends, not my friends, not the media, not the players. We got to be those guys that call them out sometimes. So hope you had a good time. I had a good time as well. And we'll be back next week.